Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Martin Luther taught on the perspicuity of Scripture. Now, perspicuity is just a really big fancy word to say it's clear. It is understandable. The doctrine of the perspicuity of Scripture is the idea that you can pick up your Bible, you can read it, and you can understand it. However, the doctrine of perspicuity doesn't mean you'll always understand all aspects of Scripture. Uh, This doctrine of perspicuity is pretty obvious for last week's readings. Like you can, you can read through the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the parable of the prodigal son and you can read it and you can understand it and you can apply it without a whole lot of trouble. You can do the same thing with the account of the birth of Jesus back in Luke chapter 2. You understand exactly what it's telling you. You understand what, it's, what it means. Same thing with the the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. However, today's reading is not so easy to understand. (laughs) I mean, in one sense, it's not real difficult. You do understand all of the pieces. You just don't really necessarily know what to do with them. Did Jesus really commend this dishonest, unrighteous manager? Julian the Apostate was a uh, Roman emperor who really hated Christianity and wanted to bring Rome back to the Roman gods. And he used this as an example of what's wrong with Christianity. He's like, see, your Messiah is commending this dishonest manager. And so Christianity is immoral. It's bad. All of those things. That's what he tried to try to do. Now, as we dive into this text, Let me be clear that this is a difficult text. This is not an easy one to understand. The 20th century Lutheran scholar Martin Charlemagne, in his book about parables, wrote, The parable of the unjust manager has often produced nothing short of consternation among Bible readers and interpreters. Well, let's just see if we can do better than leaving you at the end of the sermon with consternation. Maybe we can do a little better than that. It begins with this. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought against him that this man was wasting his possessions. All right, so first of all, who is Jesus speaking to here? Back in Luke chapter 15 with those parables, uh, those, those famous ones, right? The lost coin, the lost sheep, the parable of the prodigal son. Those were directed to who? Primarily the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, who is he talking to here? The disciples, which does not limit it to the 12, right? Disciples would include all of those who are following Jesus and trusting in him. So there is probably a whole lot more than just the 12 being addressed. Okay, so we have a rich man and a manager. And charges are brought against the manager that he's been wasting the manager's possessions. By the way, wasting here, that should call to mind the parable of the prodigal son, shouldn't it? It's the same word, same word in Greek, same translation in in English too. He was wasting 
his manager, his uh, the rich man's uh, goods. The prodigal son received his inheritance, and what did he do? He wasted it. And he and the rich man called the manager and said to him, "What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager." And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. Now, isn't this interesting? (laughs) The manager doesn't even contest the charges. He's not like, no, 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 I'm innocent. I haven't been doing those things. He's busted, and he knows it. He doesn't plead innocent. Rather, he seems to admit guilt. He feels trapped, and he thinks, what am I going to do now? I have decided what, what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. The manager gets a eureka moment, an aha. I've got it. I'll use what's been entrusted to me to give away even more of the, master, of the, uh, of the rich man's money. And then, as a result, those people who I've shown kindness to, they'll show kindness to me down the road. So, summoning the master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. One by one, the master calls in these debtors, slashes their debts, and sends them away with a smile on their faces because he has shown generosity with things that didn't belong to him. (laughs) Now here's where it gets tricky in verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. All right, so first of all, in verse 8, who is the master? Is this the rich man or is the master Jesus? Who is commending this unjust, unrighteous manager? Well, that's unclear in the text, but I, I actually think that it makes more sense for it to refer to Jesus. Now, is Jesus commending sin? (laughs) Hardly. But what he is doing here is making a point through hyperbole, as he's apt to do. He'll often tell stories that are really outlandish in order to drive home a point. Additionally, I think it makes sense because I think the end of verse 7 is the end of the story and verse 8 begins the teaching that Jesus is giving based on the story because he follows that up with and I tell you which is a way that Jesus often uses a story or uses an illustration and then expounds upon it he does this with the sermon on the mount Matthew 5 and 6 and uh, the sermon on the plain in Luke chapter 6 you you've heard it was said but I tell you right He's doing the same thing here. Jesus is not saying, though, follow the, the example of the dishonest manager. 
go and just just be uh, just be uh, dishonest and, and give away stuff that doesn't belong to you. Uh, he's not commending that, but he is commending the dishonest manager insofar as. The manager is using his shrewdness in ways consistent with his worldview and what he values. And what does he value? Money and comfort. The sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Jesus is teaching his disciples, he's teaching us, about how we use our mammon, our money, our possessions, our status. Do we use them merely for earthly gain? You know, the old saying, it takes money to make money, right? So then it takes money to make money. And once you've made money with the money that you had, then you want to make more money with that money. And then you want to continue to get more money based on the money that you already had. And you're just endlessly pursuing what? More money. Or do we use our money, our status, our possessions in light of eternity. Money won't even exist in the resurrection that is to come. It's not going to be needed, and you can't take it with you when you die. So Jesus is saying, are you devoted to money or to the Lord? Jesus is teaching his disciples here. How much better is it going to be if you use the money entrusted to you for eternal good when this guy, I mean, he used it just for these, this temporal good. You could do so much better than that. How much better is it going to be to be welcomed in eternity by those who have been blessed by your Christian generosity? How much greater a welcome will, will you receive by those who heard the gospel because of your generosity? From those who came to faith because... Christians didn't hold on to their money, but generously gave to the work of the kingdom. Now, it's interesting because Jesus tells this parable to who? To his disciples. But there's another audience listening in at the same time. The Pharisees are there and they're listening in as well. And here's where we get one more interesting aspect of this. The Pharisees were no doubt very much concerned with being faithful stewards. They were very much concerned with using the things entrusted to them in ways that they would consider faithful. But they were so concerned with being faithful stewards that they become ungenerous stewards. Because they could always justify why they shouldn't give to a certain person or a certain group that was in need, because if I give it to them, they might waste it. (laughs) Yep, they might. But the unjust manager is commended by Jesus for generously giving away what wasn't his, but belonged to his master. Well, isn't that the very definition of Christian generosity right there? What do you have that belongs to you? Nothing. <laughs> the Lord has entrusted things to you, and what do you do with it? Well, if you give it away, who's, who's, whose things are you giving away? Well, it's not yours. It's giving away the Lord's things. You, you are being generous. If you're overly generous with giving away the things that God has entrusted to you, do you think God's going to be upset about that? 
Hardly. Because that's how he's with us. He's gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He's generous in giving to us. He gave us his only son as Savior. He gives us wealth now and wealth that is eternal in the life to come. Now, there's one, little, one more little nugget in this, one more little gospel nugget that I see. And I might be reaching here. You guys have to... You gotta, you gotta tell me what you think here, because I'm not sure. But here, here's what I think. In verse two, the rich man calls upon this dishonest manager to turn in the accounts of his management. Now, the Greek word there for account, what's well, one we just got done looking at in Bible study today? It's the Greek word logos. In John chapter one, verse one, the word logos is used to refer to Jesus. He is the word. He is the account. Now, maybe you can see where I'm going with this. When the master calls in this unjust servant, this dishonest manager, what account does he give? The logos. (laughs) When you have not been faithful in your stewardship that the Lord has given to you, of the things God has given to you. And none of us have been all entirely faithful in that, have we? What do you do? You, you don't come to him and say, well, I plead innocent. Because <laughs> you're not. But what do you do? You, you turn in the Logos. You turn in Jesus. The only thing you can do is turn in Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus. Because for the sake of Jesus, our unrighteousness, our wasteful management, even that is forgiven. That's how generous God is with us. And so, as our master is generous with us, let that generosity be true of us as well. Let's close with prayer. Lord God, you are indeed generous. You've given us all that we need to support this body and life. You have given us your son as our savior. And you teach us to be generous too. Help us not to serve money, but to use it generously and with eternity in mind. And where we have failed to do so, forgive us for the sake of Jesus, the Logos, who has paid for our debt of sins in full. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.